Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester, and this is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. It's Monday, March 27th, and Tim, we had finally an opportunity to really observe Notre Dame over the weekend. Uh, I took part in the coaches' clinic, so got exposure to a little bit more of the action, and we want to kind of jump around from position by position, but what, let's what, let's start with a couple of players that really stand out to us. And I know we addressed this in the instant analysis after uh, the practice on Saturday, but some of the guys that you're most excited about. It, starting with the guys I wasn't sure I would be would be the best way of looking yeah, at that's, it. Yeah, that's Tony Jones Jr. was probably the best. He was the standout player of Saturday's practice because from beginning to end he made plays. Uh, and making plays in 11-11 scrimmage is a lot different than one-on-ones when you're wide receiver mm-hmm. versus running back or wide receiver versus defensive back. So he comes to mind, and I think that's a great thing because I believe Tony Jones Jr. is not the best back on the team. So that's great that a guy like that is developing. Uh, we've been talking about Chase Claypool since the first time we saw him cover a kickoff. He's obviously pushing to be a frontline starter, whether they use him as an X receiver instead of Kevin Stefferson, whether he's a detached tight end and Alizé Jones is outside, I don't know yet, but he gets open and he makes plays. Now, he's not a finished product. I know we've been hyping him quite a bit, but he had a couple concentration drops. I think during that, but you can't look at him and not think that guy is going to help Notre Dame next fall. And on the other end, I just think we, we mentioned it in uh, instant analysis. Nick Watkins just carries himself like he's a starting cornerback who used to be a guy that looked like, hey, he could be good someday. And now it's just, did he miss last year? He, he comes out there and he plays yeah. like a starting. He he's looks not, like he is a veteran. Yeah, and he's not perfect either, but he, he he attacks the ball. He's confident. And the great thing about that is on the opposite side of the fall, uh, opposite side of the field from from Watkins is Julian Love, who, uh, and you mentioned it Saturday, and I and I saw the same things on Friday and, and Saturday. He's just around the football. Yeah, he's uh, their best corner. Yeah. So it's good that we're talking about the other guys. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So those are real positives. Uh, you know, we're going to get into the defensive line and some of the issues that we think are happening there. Elizabeth Jones continues to impress. The tight end core um, looks very impressive. I like what's happening on the offensive line. Uh, Alex Barr's move inside the right guard is something that you know, I felt like needed to be done um, at some point. I, I realized last year the situation. Yeah, they couldn't do it. He, yeah, he had to play right tackle. But the battle going between uh, Liam Eikenberg and, and Tommy Kramer is interesting. They've alternated days. Kramer's a bigger body. Uh, Eikenberg is a little bit more mobile, which translates to, you know, uh, pass blocking a little bit better. I don't know how that's going to, to end up. I would, I, and we've said this also in the past, I think Eikenberg – is the fits the position better than Kramer does, and the, here's what's happening. I think we're, we keep saying, "Ah, oh, he's a better guard than tackle." You got to have tackles. Yeah, you do. It's, you know, and, and and that's I mean, clearly, like a McGlinchey is a tackle, but you know, Robert Hainsey, who's working a tackle, is he a tackle or or is he a guard? I mean, I think we had some questions during the recruiting process. Josh Lug, who was in attendance at practice, fits the tackle spot, but I look at Tommy Kramer as a big body. That looks like you know more of an interior player, so you know that that that's a bit of an issue. They have to address that, and that's why I think Eichenberg ultimately wins that job. And it's a four month battle. Those yeah. get, we're not figuring out that at the outset of August camp. I don't think I know you want to get your your best five in there. You know, I think it might come down to there. How much better is Eichenberg at pass protection than Kramer is as a physical presence in the run game? Because if Kramer is much better in the run game. Then maybe you can live with a couple mistakes because you can point. be a power offense. Yeah. But if if it's negligible and Eichenberg rises to the occasion, 
and is also very good in the run game, then maybe you go with a guy who, and Brian Kelly's even offered, he's longer, and that means pass protection. Without saying he's better in pass protection, he said he's better in pass yeah, protection. Right. Which is, well, I think that's a good point, because I think Kramer is a quality power yeah. run blocker. Uh, the, the question is whether he can hold up on the edge. I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that that's a good fit for, for what his body is now. What if he, and this would be, obviously you don't know this until he goes against other players, but let's say he is better in pass protection than um, Steve Elmer was in his first bout at right tackle, but not as good as Bars last year, so he's in between. Because Bars was a little, they had to move Cramp, they had to move Elmer well, out of the position. Tough, but right. Brian Kelly pretty much named uh, Alex Bars as starting right guard. Yeah, no, I don't think he's moving. I'm saying yeah. this is against Eichenberg. What if Kramer's somewhere in that oh, realm? I see what you're saying. Do you keep? Do you go with it? Uh, I don't know because I think Eichenberg is certainly capable as a run blocker. Yes. But we, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen enough of these guys. We're we're way speculating here, but. Um, Oh, yeah, the quarterback looks pretty good, too. He does. And I think we wrote about this on the message board. We're not going to have bad things to report on Brandon Wimbush. We won't know. He looks good. He can run. He can throw. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's a good interview. Uh, he's dedicated. He makes the throws that you need in Chip Long's offense, it appears, too. And we won't know until the chips are down. We're not going to know how he, <laughs> yeah. exactly how he reads defenses right. until he gets in those situations and we're, we have exposure to those situations. And yeah, you're right, because, I mean... <laughs> The kid passes the eye test, and I, I made the I made the physical, the the athletic comparison to a Tony Rice. Oh yeah, and that's I, a good and, I mean, I, and I think, but then I saw him run a read option, fake it, and and hit the corner, incredibly fast with power, and you walk away from that, and what you're saying is exactly true. There are no physical traits we're going to look at and say. You know, he's lacking a little bit here athletically or physically. He's a real deal in that I, regard. I think his greatest weakness for this team is there's one of him. Yeah. Because the drop-off is pretty big, I believe, to Ian Book. Yeah, no and doubt. I, and I don't, not that Ian Book I, can't win you a game, but you're not you're not contending for anything. I'm not really sure Ian Book's a better prospect than, or, or a better player right now than Montgomery Van Right, Gordon. well, it's, yeah, he would have to be. I, you would hope he would be by mid-August, right? Well, you would hope, yeah. but uh, you know, I mean, Van Gorder has better size. I, I can't yeah. even. I guess you like believe books that we're still. talking about that. But I mean, ultimately, you're right. Book, books is scholarship guy, and he's going to be the number two guy. <laughs> that's my point. That's the drop off. Yeah, as we're talking about. Yeah, that, that, right. That's the right, issue right. with Wimbush. And then Avery Davis, of course, comes in, in in August. But let's go over the defensive side of the ball. And there's been some discussion on our message board about this. I talked about the lack of talent along the defensive line, and some of our subscribers. Took offense with that. Uh, I think we know, just keep talking about offense the rest of the podcast. Yeah, honestly. I know, because this is a... I mean, and I wrote a story this morning, and I don't think I fully realized just what the defensive line situation was until I went through the interview with Mike Elston, and then you start putting together a story. And I don't care how many four-star guys are listed there. It just... First of all, star ratings. The star ratings are star ratings until they come to Notre Dame, and then they put a Notre Dame uniform on, and then they start to practice, and then you watch what they can and can't do. And then they don't matter, right? And then it doesn't matter. And, man, when I look at this defensive line, it is not in good shape. No, it's it's not now. I guess where can they get is what matters. Now, you know, Mike Elko even brought up the defense. Look, we're, no, we're not even close. We shouldn't be close. I don't expect to be close. But the talent level on the back seven versus the front four, and I, I would, I'm throwing out stars because we watched them play. It's a staggering difference to me. Now, I think Pete made a good point that maybe Tillery could be a difference maker at that spot. I have long held the fact that Daniel Cage can be very solid 
I said he'd be a great backup nose tackle, and that's what he is right now. If he could be a good backup to Tillery, then you're at least starting from the middle. Right. But then you need people to step up that haven't. Jay Hayes, we've been talking about for four years, he has to be twice as good as ever been. Here's the thing with Jay Hayes, and I, and I, I, I was premature when we did our instant analysis, I said, speaking of men, or you said Jay Hayes, Dalen Hayes, let yeah. me just jump into him first. I said, speaking of men, Dalen Hayes, and I should have really checked with you first because he, I was on offense and you were on defense, and he was impressive as far as athleticism and getting in, in, in position, but we don't know what kind of physicality he's going to have. He's in a two-point stance because he has no background in a, in a three-point stance. Yeah, it's, no, we, we don't know anything about this this front. And you mentioned right before we started the podcast, what do we, <laughs> what do we know what Khalid Kareem can do against Georgia? We have not seen, we, we have not seen Khalid, and we only get to see glimpses, but I have not seen Khalid Kareem make a play. We haven't seen him much. We haven't seen much of anything. But I haven't seen him make a play. I think, and you have to remember that, sure, there's some young promise when you have Aquara, Dalen Hayes, Khalid Kareem. But promise doesn't matter in September when they have to win three of those four games, at least. What they really need, and you talked about a guy you think will battle. And I'm not sure he's in the right position, but he has to play there. Jonathan Bonner is now a senior that will battle. Jay Hayes has to be a senior that is, we know he's competitive, that will battle for more than ten snaps. You need some of these guys that haven't done anything going to their redshirt junior technical senior years to become football players because they just haven't been in the mix that much. No. And now they're going to be completely. I think Jay up. Hayes is a football player. Is too. he a difference maker? I I would say probably not, but a he's football a football player. player. Yeah. And else to mention the other day, he's 280. He has to be on the field, whether yeah. that's ideal. It's a ideal size in what Elko wants. I, I don't know, but he has to be on the football field in discussing Trombetti. Are you okay. puzzled by the move of, Trombetti and Jay Hayes battling on that end. Why not have D- Dalen Hayes and Trombetti? Because Oquara can't play on the oh, other yeah, side. Right. That's... I mean, because he's a senior in it. But but here's the thing. Talking to Elston, and Jack was there when we were when he was filming it. He has short arms, okay, for the position compared to Oquara and Ogundeji. Okay. So I mean, they have frames that you like at that position. We know he's not a we know he's not a power guy. Okay, so. How is he going to get on the field, and how can he be effective at that position? I, I, I mean, I, I just, I did. So it, it has to be Jay Hayes. It has to be Dalen Hayes on the other side with Aquara. And Trebetti could be and obviously in sub packages. You're taking, a, you're putting him in as another pass rusher opposite Dalen right. Hayes. And, and, and we've said this, and I'm going to continue to say it because it, it is. This is just reality. Their sacks and their pressure up front is going to come through Mike Elko's scheme. It's the only way it can happen. There are not there is not the individual talent that you need to beat people one on one. Now Elko did it at Wake Forest, and if he can do that at Wake Forest against ACC competition, he can do it at Notre Dame. I just can't envision it based upon the components right, right. that I'm right. seeing we're moving around there. We haven't even talked about Jerry Tillery yet, who Mike Elson is saying. You know, I think that he's dedicated himself. I think that he's gotten to the point where it's not what you want to hear. Going no, yeah. no, no. And he, you know, he acknowledges he has outside interests. You know, and that he is coming in and watching a lot more film. Elson will be eating, eating lunch, and Tillery will come in and sit down and watch the same stuff with him. But man, that's not enough. Now, getting back to Bonner, the, the I think the reason Bonner is a starter right now is because they are trying to be more aggressive in the gaps. It's the way that Elko runs, and I thought that was what Van Gorder was when he came in. But when 
Romeo Aquara and Sheldon Day left, I think they had to take more of a hold the point of attack yeah. and let guys make plays. So I think that's why Bonner's in the starting lineup now and Cage isn't because there are apparently no physical restrictions. As Elson said, if there were physical restrictions on Cage with his concussions, he wouldn't be out there. So why is Bonner, why is it Bonner and Tillery instead of Cage and Tillery? And my, my answer to that is because I think Bonner is much more capable of being disruptive in the gaps. And then if he can be, it gives you a, a fighting chance inside because you can't have Tillery play 80 plays either. You have Tillery and Cage as your one-two punch at nose tackle. I'm fine starting that season out. That's hey, maybe it's maybe Cage isn't also in playing shape. Yeah, but yet. how many snaps can Bonner take it? Who, the, well, right the now, the backup Elijah Taylor got hurt. That's the problem because no matter what they say about coming back from a Liz Frank injury and running around, look, it's going to be questionable whether he's going to contribute. It will be the first month of the season. It will be questionable in August as to whether he could. Now, I mean, everybody heals differently. Sure, Duran took a year. Duran Jones told right. me. And in season last year, I don't remember which game it was, but we're into October. My knee has been fine for a while. It's my foot. And he injured his foot 10 months before injuring his knee. So we're looking at almost 22 months later. Duran Jones is built differently than Elijah Taylor, obviously. But that's a scary thing that people, and as Pete said, Justin Brent. Now, it's not because of his foot, but Justin Brent Justin Brent got a Liz Frank injury and never played again. Right. So obviously that's not all his, his injury, but... You never know. Elijah Taylor was our guy on this podcast that might make a move up to be a quality number two, and now they don't have him in the mix. So it's up to Mike. <laughs> so Dutrell now the to... back, yeah. Now the backup is <clears throat> what? What did uh, Elston? He called Mike Dutreadway a, a, a big thing, a putty, a putty. Yeah, he's a big thing, a putty. Yeah. <laughs> he meant it in a, in a moldable no, way. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And I do think I do think it's more important to, to do Treadway now, and I do think he's working hard. And I've always said that he has. Some athleticism, and he's got a good frame. But we're we're talking about we're talking about the University of Notre Dame taking on much improved, much more difficult schedule next year. And so we've probably dwelled on this enough and bum people out as much as we need to. Go back to, to the offense. Point. Let's talk about Alizé Jones. Well, That's good. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I, I I do the linebacking core. I think is really yeah. really good. I you know I love the uh, tranquil Blau combo at Rover. Uh, Martini and Coney at Buck. That, that's a that's a good group. And Niles Morgan right. is Niles Morgan. But did you see the hit that Jonathan Jones had on Saturday? Yes, I did. And I was the compliment I can pay to the linebackers when I was watching the defense. I was watching the defensive line of the secondary the whole time because I know what they have. Yeah, and the linebackers yeah. will be good next year. Yeah. And Jameer Jones was he at he was, he was at, at Mike, Mike also. Yeah, which means they will be interesting. He'll, I bet he gets moved around a little because the, I I think they'll like Jonathan Jones as a backup Mike linebacker. So Jameer. Maybe he moves to help his little yeah, somewhere else. You remember Bobby Howard? Yeah, oh yeah, I love Bobby Howard. I mean yeah. that I, I, you know, I mean the undersized. So you're yeah. going to make that kind of comparison, but I, I like I, I think he's a little bit more outgoing than Bobby Howard. Bobby Howard was the most close to the vest. I, I once did a story on Bobby Howard and didn't have a quote from him. I just talked to everybody else around him and let them talk about what a great guy he was. But uh, anyway, I think Jonathan Jones is a player, and that's a good core. And we talked about the cornerbacks and the safeties. There's talent. You just don't know how it's all going to shake out at yeah, this point. Yeah, safeties will be interesting. It'll be We should evaluate them in August when we see our yeah. two, hour, two or four hours of open practices in August because they don't know what they're doing there yet. I think Elko is trying to find the right fit. It's uh, Tranquil back at safety to me is 
they need help communicating, and he's our communicator. He's going to be Rover. You talked about this. You've been talking well, about this for just, months. It, it's just counterproductive yeah. to put him back there because right. you're going to go against Elko's principle of putting somebody in a position to do something you can't do. Exactly. So I think, you know, Isaiah Robertson in early, it'll help in August. He took a couple bad angles on long runs, I noticed. Yeah. Uh, Fertitta is a player when he's not matching coverage. Just don't. He's, he can't be in coverage. That's Again, short space and is the, better exactly. than they'll big be, space. They'll bring him in when they need him there. So, so. that comes down to Studstill and Elliott yeah. and Coleman. And those are good enough athletes. The Coleman thing is so strange to me only because I, it's weird that we open spring with Nick Coleman as a starting safety. But he does make some plays. It's not and he made, Look, he made plays all of August. There was no one yeah. at corner. There was no one more surprised than me that he got torched at Texas. I thought he was a competitive guy that would play well. And I think he just lost his confidence when it happened. I mean, it, was, it couldn't have been worse to start his, his starting career. Yeah, and, and he couldn't recover from right. that September. It was too, they, you know, the great thing is that Mike Elko coaches safeties. Yeah. You know, that's a real, real plus under the circumstances because it's a little bit muddled back there. All right, well, we've got uh, – um, do we want to get into recruiting? Uh, yeah, we do. We want to get that. John Dirksen four is star, a kid. Four-star from Ohio, second offensive line commit, and Pete's mentioned at least three are coming in, and I would assume four because – you got to replace what you lose. Yeah, you're gonna be, you know, Quentin Nelson's not coming back for a fifth. So. Uh, man, I tell you, it, it was, uh, you know, I think it was shortly after signing day, and it was a Sunday, and I and I sat down and looked at five guys like who might be next, and I had no preconceived notions about anybody. Uh, Lindsey was in that group, and he was very, very impressive. Um, Dirksen stood out to me. I mean, absolutely stood out, and I know there's. Is he a guard or a tackle? Yeah. And maybe he doesn't have the stature to be. That is an that is a naturally aggressive, proactive, confident football player. I I I love the pickup. When I heard he was coming in this weekend, I wondered if they had a shot. Wasn't he originally as a three star? Yeah. So he got he got bumped up. He did, and I don't I I don't know I don't know what the heck is going on with his offer list. I don't get it. I don't care. I mean, again, that's like four. You know, we talked about four star, three star. You got to pass the eye test. That's a good football player, right? And we talk about natural guard or natural tackle. It's better to have a naturally great guard than a guy that might be able to play tackle. If he if he's just an excellent guard, yeah. that's fine. You'll they'll they are a little light, maybe going yeah, forward we'll on tackles. Keep talking guards, and that's a concern. Yeah, I know that's a concern. You only need to find two tackles, right? <laughs> just two, man. Just two, <laughs> two at a time. Lug, lugs a tackle. Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, tackle, and but. I'm not saying Dirksen can't play right tackle. I, I, I just he is so explosive in short space that that's just the best usage of him. When I say he's a guard, that doesn't necessarily mean he can't play tackle. It's just where can you maximize the abilities that you have, and that's why I've always thought Alex Bars he could play tackle. I think he could adapt to right tackle, but if he's going to play in the NFL, it, look if 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 Zach Martin's playing guard in the NFL. Yeah, then that's, that's the ultimate I mean, compliment. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. We saw Zach Martin over the weekend, and and Nick, and Nick, will, Nick, Nick is a big dude. Wow, when he stood, and I one of the guy at Notre Dame official kind of said this to me. You look at Nick Martin stand next to Mustafer, and this is not a knock on Mustafer. Sam's a normal size center. <laughs> Nick Martin is a big dude, and he made a great career choice when he quote unquote took one for the team and moved from guard to center yeah, because no that moved him up two rounds of the draft and. Well, he's a he is huge. I know Notre Dame fans love hearing this, but he got a lot bigger yeah. too since he left Notre Dame. Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> Zach Martin is is a lot wider than he used to be. He's got the width of a guard now. Someone said to me at the coaches' clinic, "They're like, man, 
Nick looks a lot bigger than Zach, and I think he is until Zach gets out. Zach gets out pulling, yeah. and he's coming at, and he's got yeah. Ezekiel Elliott behind him. That he looks pretty big. Too, I, you know, I, I've got so much respect for Zach Martin. I love the kid when he was at Notre Dame, and you know, here he is. He comes yeah. back, and he was he wasn't giving pointers. He was coaching. He was, Saturday. He was coaching Saturday, yeah. and he was coaching guys that he didn't know. Right. It wasn't like it was just McGlinchey who he played with. He right. has no connection to anyone but McGlinchey, and then Bars and Nelson would be on the team, so he would. As yeah. we know, the offensive line lineage with starting with Zach Martin is you guys are together at all times, yeah. and Nick Martin. That's that's. I'm. I want to end this segment with. I really like the offensive line at this point. The change I've seen up there, they just look more physical to me. And we have plenty of time to talk about that in burning up the boards. But I like the way they look. With of course, they are going against a defensive line now. Yeah, they're dominating <laughs> the Northern defensive line. It's just couldn't be a problem there, right? There's. No- I, I would agree. <laughs> you know, I would agree with that, and I think that you know, again, just physically looking at. At uh, McGlinchey, and, and here's the point with the whole strength and conditioning, and I think it's it's overblown about, you know, I mean they're not starting completely from scratch. It's not like they have to make up for four years, but something slipped. There's no yeah. doubt about that. And here's what I love: you you take body fat off because a lot of people are looking at this team right now and saying, well, they don't look that much bigger. You don't get that big that quickly. I mean, let's be real about this. The first thing you have to do is get rid of the bad weight, get rid of the body fat. You now have from you have from now until August to build back up. And again, you're not going to bridge the gap, gap completely then either. But this stuff doesn't happen overnight. And the first thing you need to do is get rid of the body fat. And I think they've gone a long way towards achieving that. I can't talk about the strength and condition without getting angry, so we should move on. <laughs> How do you waste a year? With that, you <laughs> yeah. don't want to see Tim O'Malley angry. With that, we're going to end segment two. We'll be back with questions from our readers. Burning up the boards is our second segment of Irish Illustrated Insider. We start with a question from DIP98. From what you saw this weekend... Which former Notre Dame player does Tony Jones Jr. remind you of the most? This one took me a car ride to come up with, but I think I have a good body comparison and skill set, and I'm going to pay for this one in October when people remind me of going back to the Lou Holtz-Halcyon days, but uh, Rodney Culver is the guy, the late Rodney Culver, with the same frame, 6 feet, 225, compact power, quick feet, can catch the ball, not top-end speed. Culver looked a little bigger, but he wasn't because yeah. it was a different era. He was bigger than the guys trying to he tackle looked, him. He looked bulkier. Yeah, I mean, well, I thought shoulder he, pads were bigger. Yeah, too. well, <laughs> yeah. they were a lot bigger. Then. They were a lot bigger. You know, I, it. I hesitate with comparisons many times, as I was saying before we were recording. I hesitate because I, because I, I'm so old that I it spans so many different generations of football players. So I'm not going to make comparison. I'm just going to say that I like Tony Jones. An awful lot. He hits the hole very quickly. His pad level is good. He's difficult to tackle. I think I said this Saturday in our incident analysis, he's everything that we saw in high school, Phil, but you're never sure whether that's going to carry over to the college level. He's now playing behind an offensive line that's in better condition and getting a little 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 more push against a questionable defensive line, and he was hitting it Saturday. I'm going to put Culver... Highlights against Tennessee on the message board for everyone to look at. Okay, and then you can well, there you go. Look at that. And also, Tim was going to say Bronco Nagurski, but he didn't want to pull that one out. Bronco <laughs> Next one is from uh, RKC UND 68 with what we've heard is an improved and more aggressive offensive line. 
Is there any real evidence of the defensive line moving toward owning the line of scrimmage and penetrating? Well, owning the line of scrimmage and penetrating are kind of two different things, or at least I look at them differently. Owning the uh, uh, owning the line of scrimmage is is holding the point of attack, and, and they're trying to be more aggressive. You could be more aggressive when Sheldon Day was was flying through, you know, gaps, and when you had Romeo Aquara coming off the edge, they couldn't they couldn't play with that style last year because you didn't have the players that were going to be able to to succeed in that endeavor. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, I we talked extensively about the defensive line. I I just I I don't I don't see it right now. I think guys like. Darnell Yule absolutely has to come in and make a, a, a contribution in some fashion. I don't know if Kurt Hinnish will be physically prepared to do that. Tago Valoa, you know, that's a longer body who's kind of a part in, part defensive tackle, but you don't know whether he's physically prepared to come in. Man, I tell you what, it, it, I look at this off this freshman class and you're really hoping that they can make some kind of contribution. I think you're right, and that's what it will be, but I wish the storyline in August would be, yeah, we'll probably play Yule, but you know what? Jay Hayes and Jonathan Bonner, we love what they've been doing all camp. These are seniors that have been in there. I, you got to hope you know, Notre Dame's not relying on two defensive line freshmen instead of Jay Hayes and Jonathan Bonner. Well, right? true, although I think... Oh, heavy I think, rotation would be great. Yeah, Ten guys, I think yeah. Yule... I'm I'm hopeful that he comes in with a greater amount of strength than you normally see sure, in a freshman sure. interior defensive lineman. And, you know, I mean, let's – Jay Hayes, Bonner, Tillery, can they hold a point of attack? Yeah, yeah, I think they can. Can they be playmakers? That's a, that's a big question. And the difference between holding point of attack and being playmakers is playing on one side of the line of scrimmage or the other. Do you think that they will f- – no, I shouldn't say finally. Do you think they will go to – a heavy rotation. At least eight guys playing a lot on the defensive front. Can the backups be good enough? Because Cage is good enough to play as a backup, obviously. Can they get eight? Cage, maybe Cage, Ewell, Aquara, and somebody else behind, and maybe it's Trombetti or Khalid Cream. Can you get eight guys? Eight guys to contribute each week, because I feel like they need it. I understand that, but you're having a hard enough time putting a quality Four, yeah. starting lineup out <laughs> yeah, there, and now yeah. we're talking about going too deep. I hear what you're saying, and I don't want to underestimate what Daniel Cage has done and is capable of doing. It's a huge body, and it's a guy that they need in the mix, whether Yule plays or not. They need him in the mix. I mean, you know, how many reps can Bonner take? Yeah, if you, especially the course inside. Of, right, exactly. So, um, do you need? Can you? Do you rotate just? To, I mean, you have to rotate just to save them, maybe. Probably in 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 situations, certain instances. Brian Kelly said, or, or who was it that said our first four games are against power running, power running teams? Yeah. yeah, it was Kelly that said that. So, wow, all hands on deck. You know, no, I mean, no doubt that that that's that's a situation that they're in. And I do have, I mean, I do have some confidence in Jay Hayes being a senior and a guy that's been around and paid some dues and is two eighty and yeah. can you know be physical and. Jerry Tillery is the one that really, really has to step forward and 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 be a playmaker, and and he hasn't shown that he's capable of doing that yet. Yeah, I was wrong last week when we had the question: Who's the most important player not named Wimbush and someone? Yeah. It, Jerry Tillery is who, the most who, important. Say I said Josh week? Adams because I think he could be an all-American, oh, yeah. but it, you know what? If he's not, then Tony Jones will be good, and Dexter Williams could be good. So it's it's Tillery. Um, 
Yeah, because he, 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 he can be more than fi- solid, too. He right? has the physical skills. He's six six and a half. He's long. He's he's capable. He's capable. Who do you have there? Oh, I thought yeah, that was Tillery's something. Thing, no, okay. Tillery's just, that's what I was, the note was Tillery, I think. Okay, and I Because, gotcha. you know what? He's solid at worst. He's got to be solid at worst. And they need him to be better than that, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. Um, where are we at? Who, Who JND fan? What's the future hold for Josh Barajas with the scheme change and his career slow start? Will we ever see the talent he came in ND with? I mean, I was high on him, and you were super high on him, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. I liked him. Uh, everybody I've talked to liked him. That saw him play live. If he wasn't, there, he didn't practice Friday or Saturday, and he didn't practice uh, Wednesday in the brief viewing. So he was, he was. Brian Kelly said he was sick Wednesday, which stands to reason you'd still, you could still be sick Friday sure. and Saturday. Our next viewing is, um, oh, his next viewing is Friday, five days from now. If he's still not there, then something's up. Yeah, obviously. Um, you can't ask about a guy that never plays every pra- after every practice. So it's you look know, at Rover. There's Tranquil Bilal plus freshman coming in. At Mike, there's Morgan, Jones, and Jones. At Buck, there's Martini and Coney. It would have to be Barajas. He's not beating those guys out. So he has to become a good special teams player this year instead of a guy that's on special teams because, you know, just because you're on special teams doesn't mean you're good. We found that out last couple years. (laughs) And at that point, then he has to make his push. He would have to be a good senior fifth-year guy. He's going to be a junior. Yeah, he is going to be a junior with three years of eligibility remaining. I mean, I think the question's being asked because it's like, is this guy going to – emerge here and you know people ask about transfer possibilities and I don't you know I'm not I have no idea whether Josh Barajas right. he might love being he might Dame. love being in Notre Dame you know and 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 accept a situation where the football playing stuff isn't at the forefront but um you know that that would be a candidate if if he if playing football is really really important he to was him. so physical in high school I loved him I I thought he was I I wanted him to be a couple inches taller like we always do with linebackers uh, but I loved him. Yeah, I mean, he was physical and nasty and aggressive, yeah. and he came in overweight. But that shouldn't be a problem now. We're, we're three no, years through. We're that, three years. But it's just mentally just savvy. Obviously, it's a bad way to start. I don't. I never understood. Yeah, because he he probably was a guy that could have competed for a two deep job as a rookie had he not come in overweight because he had that kind of talent. But yeah, no, you never. I mean, obviously, look, we might be jumping to conclusions if he's sick. Maybe he's. Maybe he would be competing right now with. Yeah. But he he's not starting. This coming year, I mean, there's there's no strides we made up at that at linebacker where he could be in that position, but you could be a great special teams player in your third year. Yeah, he would probably be, you know, completely healthy, probably be in the number two slot behind Morgan. But yeah, so NYCND, what do you guys think of Mike Elko and Chip Long so far? Well, I really like them a lot. I mean, I liked them from the the first day when we met them, and I, you know. What does it was it mean? We like them. I mean, I I, I I like the philosophies. I like what I'm hearing them say. I like what Mike, um, what Chip Long brings to the offense in terms of what was lacking from it previously. I think the interesting thing about him is, as there are a lot of questions about, you know, whose offense is it and who's going to make the decisions, and you know, we never heard Mike Sanford talking about his offense. <laughs> no, you know, you're but, right. But Chip Long does talk about his offense. So do his players. And so do his players. That's the key. And interestingly enough, Brandon Wimbush calls him by his first name, Chip. <laughs> I, I mean, he's, he's on Brandon a, Wimbush is safe in his he's, job. <laughs> he's comfortable enough to just call the guy Chip, I guess. But uh, uh, that was just kind of funny yeah. what, what he said it, and he said it a couple times. But no, I, I, I like, he's taken ownership of the offense, and I think that's really important. And if you watch practices... 
He's right. Yeah, I mean, he's right. Yeah, he's he's running the offense, and then, I mean, out on the other side of the ball, I've loved everything about Elko. Oh, we I talked to Elko uh, last week, and just some of the some of the talking points that Notre fans will love, and I, he's not just telling you what he wants to hear. This is what he believes. I <laughs> kind of mentioned, you know, do you need to? Is it possible to cross train guys in the spring when you're installing something new? And he's, I don't really need to cross train guys anyway. I want to get players in the right positions and see if they can master those positions. It's hard to cross-train in college. All we've heard about with the previous regime was cross-training guys that Greer Martini had to play every position. Right. He had to play dime linebackers, Sam, Mike, and Will. And of course you're not going to be good at it. And so I asked Greer Martini, it's like, it's great not cross-training. I can learn one position. You get 11 guys learning one position, then you get 22. That's what Notre Dame fans should want. And, you know, Elko, there wasn't a thing he said. He's, we're moving guys around, but look, Constantly evaluating things. I had preconceived notions where I want guys. Some have been, a lot of them have been right. He said he did a pretty good job. He thought watching camp film, game film, practice film. They've already moved some guys. He's not discussing names. There seems to be an edict to not discuss names among some of the coaches, not named Elston, who yeah, offers names all the time, everybody. which is great. But no, he his, the main thing he said was we're not going to get stuck in a mistake. If we have a guy pegged for something and he can't do the job, we're going to find something that can do it, and we're going to get the guy that can't play that role to play another role. And I think that's what Notre Dame fans want, and especially in the spring. Yeah, you don't you don't usually get guys admitting, yeah. you know, this this might be wrong. We need to change. Yeah, this. and, and Tranquil's the ex- exception, but you understand that exception because he's a he's an experienced safety. He was the op- brains in the operation yeah. coming into the spring, but that's not the best fit. I do want to get into. I, I was at the coaches' clinic on Friday, and, and I went to specifically Long and Elko because I wanted to to hear them speak and hear their philosophies. And Elko was brilliant. And when people talk about, you know, his ability to communicate his defense, he spent forty five minutes and explained step by step how they create turnovers why they create turnovers, how every turnover is not the same, or every opportunity for a turnover is not the same. You don't tackle a a ball carrier or a receiver the same way. It depends upon what angle you have on him, what view you have of the football. It was absolutely brilliant. And I want to bring up, I want to read a quote that to me, and, and I and I put on our message board, and somebody said, "Oh, that was a shot at, at BBG." It wasn't a shot at BBG by Elko. This is what he believes. But to me, this shows you the distinction between him and, and BBG. Here's the quote: "I believe this very strongly. You can make your defense whatever you want it to be, but you've got to set the tone as the coordinator. You've got to go set the tone as the position coach, and you will always get what you preach." Here's the key paragraph. So if you stand up and say, I want to be a defense that plays with all-out effort, in the next two hours you proceed to talk about this blitz and that blitz and this coverage and that coverage, and then the first 30 minutes of practice is walkthroughs on barrels and you're going over scheme and this and that and the other thing, you're not going to get what you want. He was right. He was absolutely <laughs> right. BBG coached like a pro coach where he expected everybody to know what to do. You can't do that in college. You can't do it in high school and college. Kids aren't fundamentally sound enough to do that. And so you build from the bottom up, and that's who Mike Elko is, and that's how um, you know, that's how they become a good tackling team. That's how they create a lot of turnovers. 
Next question, B1GB0B. By the way, we've been calling it Bob, but that's a zero if you look at the types oh, of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got to get that. How is the defense aligned? How do they align the well, rover? Then how are we supposed rush? to say that? <laughs> it's a hard, I think it's B1GB0B, right? Okay. That, I'm going to give it Got that. it. He's a longtime poster. How got is it. the yes, defense aligned? How do they align the rover on running and passing plays? Um, they're all over. I mean, you know, we, they're all over the place. It's it's very difficult to say exactly how they're aligned. The rover field is, side linebacker. is an outside <laughs> linebacker. I mean, basically, I, I I think a little bit of it, it's, and we've talked about this before, it's a little bit overplayed. And the whole idea is to give the opposing offense so many different looks that they don't know, you know. I, I, so, uh, four two five. 5 I mean, I guess so, but you have Dalen Hayes in a stand-up position, so isn't that a three-man front with a stand-up? Um, so we get kind of caught up in a lot of the lingo and the terminology, um, most of which we certainly don't understand anywhere close to right. what the coaching staff does. If you're looking at the, if you look at the field, they're doing boundary and field. Field is the wide side, far from the hash, just right. for people to look at it. So you have a field corner, you have a field safety, and you have a field side linebacker. That's the rover. The boundary is the boundary corner. The boundary safety. And it's always explained to me because Bob Diaco ran this, and it's I didn't realize this. He said your more athletic guy is your boundary corner and your boundary safety. And that seems weird because there's more field to cover right. in the field side, but right. the more athletic guy is the boundary corner and the boundary safety. Nothing to do with linebacker in yeah. that situation. So in the old days, when it was dog in the field, that was Danny Spond. For people that, I always use that because people remember those guys when yeah. they lined up because yeah. they were good. And so it's something you can think about. But Kavari Russell was going why they wanted. You know, they had him on the boundaries and athletic guy. So you're just looking at it. It's a little bit similar in alignment. Aside from up front, to how it used to be under Diaco, where you have they just call it different things, and there's I'm sure and the rover has a little bit different job than the drop did, obviously. Yeah, but most of what did, we saw on Saturday, he's he was positioned like an outside like, linebacker. Yeah. So in other words, Jalen Smith would have been good at it. That's how we can all settle so on, he, right? Yeah, he would have been real good at it. So the and, and the boundary corner has been Julian Love, and, yeah, and he's the field corner has been Nick Watkins. Uh, at least that's what we've seen up to this point. Uh, insane TD Tucson. What is your honest take on Josh Adams? Is he completely healthy and looking to to break out, or will BK use more of a platoon system with the other rising backs? He, he seems totally healthy. I think the offseason did that for him. Um, I think he's always going to battle a, a high school knee injury if you want to look at it that way. But that's neither here nor there for a junior running back in college. He's not, he's not beaten up anymore. He ended the year beaten up. I tried to get it out of Audrey Denson, who we talked to. He just kind of laughed and said he took a few shots. I, I walked off the field with Josh Adams against USC. That was his best game. He was broken. Yeah. And he had oh, a yeah. great game, but he could. And I asked him about it. He said, I feel stronger than ever. And that was just a soldier taking one for the team, you know. And I asked Audrey Denson, and he chuckled and said, Yeah, he got. He took a few hits. You're supposed to a running back. I hope they use a platoon system because they have what I think are three capable backs. They got to use two. We saw some two running back uh, formations yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, um, yeah, and I thought that was kind of interesting. They don't, at least what we saw, they don't normally start in that alignment. It's somebody in a slot that pops back to the backfield. Sometimes it was, it was Dexter Williams and and Tony Jones, Tony Jones yep. yeah, or um, you know C.J. Sanders, which um, is good, which is fine. That's some quickness in the back. Right, there. right, right, right. So they won't do a ton of that, but I do. I am encouraged at what you said about. It. I do. I want to see all three backs, and we see how the schools do it. Arizona State did it. When Long was there as the tight ends coach. You can do it if you run the ball more than Notre Dame did, and if you pass to your running backs. You have to throw to your you running backs. You have to throw to your running backs, and, yeah. I, and I think we saw a lot of evidence on Saturday of 
a more horizontal passing game as opposed to a vertical passing game. Not that they won't go deep because you have EQ, so you definitely want to go deep to him, but I think we saw more evidence of using the width of the field, and, and a good way to do that is to throw the ball to the backs. And you might have a horizontal approach, but you have the speed with Claypool, hopefully Stefferson, and EQ to get yeah. downfield. Because horizontal approaches don't work if you can't hit it vertically. Oh, yeah. All. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying that they yeah. won't do that, but I but I do think that they're, in the chip-long system, I do think that there's a much better opportunity here to use all three backs. And they are, they're talented. They're, and Tony Jones looks so good that Dexter Williams better <laughs> right, I mean, he I better. I feel like Dexter Williams got that memo too because he hurt his ankle at the beginning of practice, and he came back and ran hard. Yeah, I think he hurt his ankle again. But I, uh, you know, you, Man, you, you got to battle through it. I tell you, what, I, I was concerned that he, I was concerned initially that he hurt his Achilles. Uh, and yeah, then, well, he came back, so he must not have. Well, they no, were right. tapping his toes and everything. Yeah, so they're and probably he, looking he for the stretched. Break and he was okay, so it was. I just, I, I, I think it was something like on the inside of his, his right foot, but. Uh, he was back in action seven minutes later. I timed it. I wanted to see oh. exactly. And he was back in action seven minutes later and ran hard. He eventually limped off uh, yeah, real and, and real they, late in, in they the They cut Saturdays. off his pads and or cut off yeah. his ankle pad and everything. They were testing him out. Yeah. But no, I think just the point there is that they know there's some competition there and you better not sit it out because Tony Jones Jr. is coming. Yeah, oh, no doubt about it. It's a good situation there. There's a lot of good things happening on the offensive side of the ball, and there are a lot of good things happening at the linebacking core and cornerbacks on defense. The big concern of the D-line and, and getting that safety situation uh, straightened out. Uh, Tim, anything else you want to address? Yeah, we will. Uh, we have a viewing on uh, – it's a half-hour viewing on Friday. Before then, we'll talk to assistant coaches again. We've talked to the coordinators, Elston and Denson, so I assume we'll be getting Coach Light, probably Coach Alexander, uh, maybe maybe Harry Heastand will come in. Um <laughs> He stands a great interview when he's in there, actually. He's just not no, a big he fan is. of doing it. No, he just yeah. doesn't like to talk. He doesn't want to yeah. talk about the offensive line situation. Okay, we'll have an instant analysis Friday after practice. We don't have any access on Saturday. No, right? they're, they're not practicing. Access. Oh, they're so off on Saturday. Okay. We'll be back um, uh, a week from today, uh, Monday, April 3rd, with our next Irish Illustrated Insider. This is Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.